0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, and welcome to our Week 8 Preview Show. I'm accompanied by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us, we're ready to break down everything that you need to know before kickoff on Sunday against the L.A. Chargers. Nick, I know before we went live, you're saying it's been one of those
1: weeks. You hanging in there? I'm hanging in there. I have until tonight to get my midterm done. I have an article that's due tomorrow, so it's just been a lot of work, and... Yeah, I'll just hope at some point I'll be done by, you know, all that work by tonight or early morning, whichever one comes first. Do you count it as early
0: morning if it's after midnight? Oh, yeah. I just needed to know. It's one of those details that I
1: just need to know about your life, Nick. Yeah, now you now everyone knows I count early morning. Hopefully I don't see early morning. Well, I'd rather not. I have work tomorrow, too. But it has been one of those weeks. I'm sure for you as well it's been just a busy week. Yeah, I mean, week in, week out. I mean, the the
0: job parenting, all that great stuff, but let's quit the chit chat. We got football to talk about here, Nick, and I just want to dive on in and we may as well just start the show with a deep breath because we're going to kick off this week's preview by examining the bears offense, which was just downright atrocious on Sunday against the saints and a lot of their problems stem from being one dimensional yet again, bears had that franchise record low with only seven rushing attempts. Trubisky threw for career high as well. And then when you're looking at the Chargers, they rank 22nd in rushing yards allowed per game at 117. They come in at 19th in yards per carry on average at 4.2. And the Bears, I don't need to rehash it, but I'm going to have to real quick. They currently sit at 28th in the NFL with only 70 rushing yards per game. And to no shock over their last three games, Nick, uh, the Bears, they run the ball the third least in the league only on 31% of their plays. So to say that the Bears' inability uh, to have a multifaceted attack, obviously it's just hindering uh, the offense, but the entire team as a whole, and I think that's an understatement. Uh, This is a real and severe problem. The Chargers, they've been exposed over the last three weeks, though, allowing 127 yards on the ground during their current losing streak. So on paper, it feels like there's a chance for the Bears to potentially establish a run, but... With his offense, it's hard to find any confidence that it could be done uh, with four of their six games leading to 71 yards or less on the ground. So, Nick, to kind of kick off the show, I just want to know, is there actually a chance of the Bears' running game getting established this week? I feel
1: like I ask you this almost every other week, but is there a chance? Yeah, I think so. I mean, what I was seeing on film from the Chargers is that if you get these guys out in space, some of these DBs, especially trying to guard – uh, you know, a shifty running back like a David Montgomery. That's where I would take my chances and actually get David Montgomery involved. Even a Tariq Cohen in space is not an easy task for any defender. So that's where I would try to, tr- you know, exploit what the Chargers don't do well. And right now it's really inconsistent tackling. Last week they played the Tennessee Titans and, you know, you have Derek Henry, who's a big running back. The Bears don't really have that, but they were also gaining some yards. at Titans right up the middle, That just hasn't been a strength for the Bears. So that's why I don't see that being the route that the the Bears' rushing attack takes. So I'm looking on the outside. Even if it is short passes to the flat, let's see what your two running backs that have proven in the past, or, well, Montgomery in college because he hasn't really done much in the NFL so far, but they can make people miss. They really can. So that's where I would think the Bears should try and attack this Chargers defense because all season long you see a bunch of missed tackles, and that's probably the best route to maybe establish some kind of ground game and maybe stick with it throughout the entirety of the game.
0: Interesting, because when I'm looking at the Chargers, I see they're banged up on—I mean, across the entire team, but specifically the defensive line, the interior of it, they're pretty banged up. They're playing some inexperienced kids there at the position, one of which I think his last name's Square. He's actually missed some practice this week as well. So maybe that's an area where the Bears can look to if they want to try to run inside the tackles away from Joey Boza. Uh, Just how I would maybe attack this defense, because when I was watching the Titans and what they were able to do, it wasn't always pretty, uh, but they kept it simple they're you know consistently going at it in the first half they're popping off some shorter runs, but wore down that charger's defense especially up front and we've seen that on, happen to our defense over the last couple of games so for me that's maybe one way I would try, and again we've talked about it you know just brutal consistency if it's not working it's not leading to a ton of yards that's not the end of the world. you wanted to a wear down a defense and B keep them honest because if the bears remain one dimensional, that makes the chargers defense's job so much easier. I believe our guest, Kyle, the former Chargers linebacker said just yesterday, you know, when that happens, uh, the Chargers they play a lot of zones so they can kind of sit back, read Trubisky's eyes. uh, And then obviously they won't have to worry about play action. And I was watching Tennessee get some decent plays off of play action a week ago against that defense. So for me, Just be consistent. Seven times isn't enough. I know it's not working, but even if it's not working, go with it. Keep the defense honest because I think it would work more than throwing the ball over 50 times a game. Right, Nick?
1: Yeah, absolutely. At least, you know, let the defense think about it. Maybe you could run. Even running the football and not actually gaining yards could set up things later on, a play later for the play action. I saw that as well from the Tennessee Titans. You have Ryan Tannehill as quarterback being his first game starting for, for the Titans there, and he's completing some passes off the play action. We haven't seen really much of that for the Bears or just Trubisky under center to be able to get out in space, read at least half the field. We've seen so far that he can't read a full field, so give him half of it to work with, and maybe that will you know fix things for this Bears offense.
0: All right, well, up next, we're going to go ahead and discuss Mitchell, who seemed a little feisty in Wednesday's presser. Uh, before we do, real quickly, need to call a timeout to tell you a little bit about our new sponsor this season, Wrigleyville Sports, because we're super excited that we've been partnering with Wrigleyville Sports all season long because we're one of the premier Chicago sports merchandise stores in the entire city. So if you're looking for any of the latest Bears gear, I know we're getting closer to the holiday season. They have it from hats and sunglasses. They have T-shirts. They have jerseys. Make sure to check out Wrigleyville Sports.com. And since you listen to the show, you get a pretty sweet deal. We have a special promo code just for you. It's Audible, A U D I B L E. Plug that in, and you get 15% off and free shipping on any order of $25 or more. And on top of that, Again, this, this deal, it runs all season long. You can use it now. You can use it a little bit later. I encourage you to use it sooner, though. And so if you're looking for any of the best Bears gear, maybe I've been talking about Club Dub shirts over the last few weeks. Maybe I shouldn't mention, mention Club Dub here on a Thursday. Maybe that's the problem. But if you're looking for any Bears gear or any of the other Chicago teams, you can't beat this deal. Again, 15% off and free shipping using our promo code Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, at WrigleyVilleSports.com. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are previewing the Bears and Chargers game this Sunday, and we're talking about the Bears offense, and we're moving ahead at Mitchell Trubisky. And, I mean, where do I begin? Because his return from injury, it was a disappointment. I think we can all admit that. Uh, bear in mind, he was playing with that harness and playing with an injury, but there's still a lot wrong with his play, from his footwork to his decision-making, his performance against the Saints was one that put a sour taste, I believe, in the mouth of every single Bears fan. Uh, The Chargers, they have a pretty good secondary, and that's not going to make things easy for Mitch this week. Uh, The Chargers have held four quarterbacks under 200 passing yards, and they have four straight games with an interception. Nick, obviously that sounds a little bit scary, so what are you expecting from Mitch this week, and do you have any keys to success besides fix the obvious?
1: Not really, Will. I mean, when your quarterback's making the wrong reads on read options and just just messing up the fundamentals, like these simplistic kind of plays, it doesn't leave you with much confidence in Trubisky moving forward. Obviously, you know, it seems like Matt Nagy still has confidence in him. Whatever happened at that players-only meeting, if Mitch was even invited, you know, we it's all these things right <laughs> now uh, that – You just wonder if Mitch, if there's just too much going on in his head. And like you said, he did have a little bit more of an edge to him at his press conference. That's great. Now just go change the narrative so people don't talk about you in the way that they're doing that. Because your play is not backing up anything. It's only justifying how people should be criticizing him. But he just needs to... Maybe simplify things. Like I said, play action might be a good way of getting Mitch going. It seems like when he's on the run, is able to get out in space and throw the football, it just seems more natural. We haven't seen any any design plays like that. Everything Matt is trying to make Mitch do right now, he's not good at. Reading an entire defensive throw from the pocket is not Trubisky's strength, and who knows if it will ever be. So give him half a field to work with. Show him where he should go on a first read and not have him, you know, go through his progression so fast because he hasn't established that yet in 202 of this offense. It really looks like elementary school ball right now. So, yeah, I don't know if there is a right answer. Running the football will help him, play action will help him, having six Allen Robinsons on the field would help him. But, yeah, as of right now, It's just not looking good for Mitch and this offense because of how he's played and how, you know, the play caller has called these plays so far. Yeah, I
0: mean, I can't really dispute anything you said. And when I'm looking at keys for Mitch to kind of get back on track, you talked about, you know, his edge that he was showing in the presser. And I was telling you right before we went live, like I can see that as a positive, but also a negative if he's allowing the media to kind of get to him and get under his skin a little bit. Uh, So it really depends on your perception of uh, how he was coming across. But I don't think we usually take this show to kind of really dive into perceptions of people's body language. This isn't the Jay Cutler years. I don't even think we did that then. Uh, But when I'm looking at Mitch, I can't say much more than what I said last week about finding a way to be calm because he was not calm at all against the saints. He was panicked. He had happy feet in the pocket. And like you said, his decision making was haphazard. Uh, So just finding a way to fix those, if you can, is what we need to do and when i'm looking at the chargers you know they do play a lot of cover three they play off the ball They should allow some easy checkdowns underneath. So maybe you can get into a rhythm, but it can't be what we saw in the last game. A lot of curls, a lot of, you know, this guy sitting there waiting for the ball, having to present their numbers to Mitch. We need some of these anticipation throws, some outs, some slants, you know, anything. Just some way you can get a playmaker moving with the football instead of having to go from a straight stop. That's something I'm looking forward to, uh, hopefully happening this week. But again, we don't know what Mitch is going to bring to the table, but it was up to Nick and I. I think those are a few of the areas that we want to see him clean up. Anything else on Mitchell that you want to mention today, Nick?
1: No, I think it starts. It does start with that footwork, though. And Dan Orlovsky, ESPN analyst, he said that if you mess up the footwork in a given play, that's going to dictate you know how that play is going to go. And for the most part this season, mitch has not been good with his footwork that messed up the read that messed up where he's going with the play that messed up the throw so if you could maybe get that fixed that could be a huge uh, reason why a play is incomplete or if there's a completion i remember coming in uh when trubisky was coming into the league out routes were his you know i i liked the strength that he had on the throws the anticipation but as of right now it's it's just not there nothing is clicking for Mitch Trubisky. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen the, I think it's a YouTube show. It's called Hot Ones, where they just get a whole bunch of celebrities to try wings, and they're having like a conversation interview. Paul Rudd was just on there, and there's this meme gif thing going around where it's like, who would have thought we've been here? Not us. That's all Bears fans at this point in the season, three and three with Mitch Trubisky regressing. If you don't watch Hot Ones, you should go do it.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty interesting show. I've watched a few of them. Uh, It's not something I would Watch all the time, but definitely mm-hmm. it's a good one, uh, like you said, Nick. But real quickly on the footwork, I mean, you hit it on the head. That does affect an entire play because a lot of these, you know, routes in the NFL, these are very rhythmic plays. And if Trubisky's taking the run drop, if he's taking seven instead of five, then the timing of the whole play's, you know, gone. And then by the time he's even wanting to deliver, everyone's through their routes. They're all just waiting for Mitch to make a decision. I mean, it all goes hand in hand. So, yeah, Mitch going, uh, working on those fundamentals and those mechanics, which, again, at this stage of his career, the fact that we're saying these things is a little alarming to me. These were things that should have been behind us, things that we thought he worked through as a rookie and early last season, but the fact that they're rearing their ugly head and in some ways even worse than we've ever seen them before, eh, it's it's, like I said, alarming is the right word, and I'm very concerned about... What the future may be for him and this offense this season, but this is a game where they need to, you know, focus because uh, it's a beatable opponent and find a way to make sure the offense doesn't do anything to squander this one away. Let's move forward, though. Let's look at the offensive playmakers and their matchups, uh, just like we do every week, week in, week out. And I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again: the Bears are really struggling to find a consistent target through the year that's not named alan robinson and like i already mentioned the chargers they do a pretty damn good job at limiting offenses passing attacks but nick
1: over to you first do you have any matchups on your radar so here's the thing will i i don't know if even if it matters i could say i could say trey burton against one of the linebackers well
0: finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from tempurpedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
1: Trey Burden doesn't do anything in this offense anymore. So it, it just doesn't really matter what when it comes to some of these matchups. Alan Romsey, knows know, going to get... Some receptions, he's going to get his targets. And I think if teams are smart, you double him. You double him, take away that option. So really when I look at this, it's not even about matchups. It's just is Mitch Trubisky or Matt Nagy going to actually want to target other guys in this offense? And right now, even on that RPO play that everyone goes back to, Anthony Miller's open. But instead, Mitch looks directly to his fourth read on that play to Allen Robinson, so it's it's like why why is that a thing? He just doesn't have the trust, and you could tell in the other guys right now. So I really don't have like specific matchups because I just don't know if these guys are going to be involved in the game plan. They should be. They absolutely should be. There's so many guys. I'd like to see Javon Wims get some more playing time out there, but that's just not happening. So yeah, in terms of the one-on-one matchups, there isn't really one that I think. The Bears, this is one they can exploit. Like you said, the Chargers do have a pretty good secondary. I like Desmond King out there. I think he's a good playmaker, does stuff in their return game for them as well. But, yeah, in terms of, like, how the Bears can exploit matchups, I just don't know if they will. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's been the problem all season long, and it's very difficult uh, because when you're looking at this Bears team, like I said, it's Allen Robinson, and then we have no idea. Trey Burton's MIA. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, of course, he was on the concussion. He's back, but had a very limited return. And Gabriel, ever since he's been here, is a very up-and-down, streaky player. He can have a really big game and then get quiet for some time. So that's not too big of a surprise to me. But the Trey Burton one, that's one that's starting to stick to my crawl a little bit because I anticipated more out of him. And then, you know, you go back to how he missed so much of training camp and wasn't really involved in preseason and Early on, I mean, you get a little worried about where he's at in terms of, you know, in this offense with uh, with that lack of production. But you talked about it. The linebackers for the Chargers, they're soft. They've allowed 31 catches this year between them. So there is some area over the middle of the field. If you can kind of get behind them, I've noticed some spots you can kind of dissect. Yet again, it's a matter if we can hit those throws. Uh, getting maybe a Tariq Cohen on one of them will be a prime matchup in my mind. And you talked about Desmond King as someone you like, and I like him too as a player, but As a slot corner, he's been a little eh. Uh, He's allowed 12 catches on 13 targets, and when he's specifically playing nickel corner, uh, there's a passer rating of 142 when quarterbacks go after him. So obviously, if you can find a way to put Allen Robinson on him, that would be an ideal situation as well. But yeah, just like you, I don't have. Usually I have like four to five different matchups, but I feel like those are almost a waste of my time now because I feel like I see them. But then Mitch doesn't see him or Nagy doesn't see him. And then we get to the game and these are out the window. So when you're looking at the Bears playmakers in this game, you talked about Burton being, you know, pretty much gone. Alan Robinson being that lone wolf. Do you see anyone having the best potential to be that number two threat this week? Either it be a running back, a tight
1: end or any wide receiver? Yeah, I think it is David Montgomery in this one. You saw what guys like James Conner could do uh, for Pittsburgh when he went up against this, this Chargers defense. He did, had a really good game just being able to mo- make people miss in space. And I think david that's David Montgomery's game. He can definitely do that. So that's why you know I gave the explanation on Montgomery saying that he could be a factor in this one. The Bears just need to do their due diligence to actually get him the football because I think in space with those DBs that the Chargers have who – will just lower their head and maybe miss that tackle or not, you know, wrap up. This could be an area, like the one area that I'm seeing where the Bears can't exploit it. And David Montgomery was frustrated after fumbling that football. He said he got uncharacteristic trying to make a play when there really wasn't one to be made. So I think he's looking to have a bounce back game. Why not do that against the Chargers who have shown all season that tackling is their strength and tackling one of the tougher guys, you know, on this Bears team. That's the that's the matchup I really like in this one, but it doesn't get much better than there because the Bears offense has been that bad.
0: I'm glad that Montgomery's looking out for you because I mean you and I both know like you shook his hand that week, he fumbled with the same arm holding the football. I mean, I thought we were on the same page here, Nick.
1: Was it did he felt did he have his right the yeah. right hand on the Oh, well, there you go. It's bad luck. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. Let's take a peek into the trenches.
0: Chicago, they continue to have uh, it uh, their fair share of struggles with the offensive line. Uh, the Chargers defense, they don't really sack the quarterback a ton. Only 14. That's an average of only two per game. But that doesn't mean that that's a defensive line that can't impact this game, uh, especially with a guy named Joey Boza. He has five sacks, one forced fumble, six tackles for a loss, and 10 quarterback hits on the year. So I think that's the obvious place to start start this conversation. Uh, So when I'm looking at Boza, obviously he lines up on both sides. He's going to be up against Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey. Nick, do you like him or not like him on one side over the other, or does he just worry you all the way around?
1: There were some times I was watching the tape for the Tennessee Titans game where Boza's – you know, get off is it? it's it's borderline, you know, an offside, but it's just him perfectly <laughs> yeah. timing the snap. So Bobby Massey doesn't have the quickest get off. That's one that I'm, you know, going to be watching all game to make sure that he doesn't wreck some plays. There are a couple hits that Tannehill took where you're thinking if that's Mitch, man, is this guy getting up from that? He with that bum shoulder that he already has. You don't want to see Trubisky maybe who actually has time for once looking down the field. And then just get completely demolished by Bosa. So that's the one that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I think Charles Lennon Jr., in terms of the get off, is faster than a Bobby Massey. But yeah, like I said, there are some times where, where Bosa is just getting to the quarterback, delivering some hits. And you really don't want to see that to Mitch Trubisky. He's already coming off an injury not too long ago.
0: Yeah, and Boza, I mean, he can beat offensive linemen in a variety of ways. He can beat them just with pure speed, getting right around the edge. He has a decent amount of pass rush moves to kind of, you know, swim back inside and get offensive linemen off balance to beat them in that regard. So, I mean, I'm just worried all the way around, and it just feels like uh, guys like a Boza end up playing better when they're going up against the Bears for just some reason, and they always want to give us fits. And looking at the rest of the defensive line, like he does need to step up in order for the Bears to struggle, because the rest of the team, uh, Melvin Ingram, uh, he may play. I know he's been limited this week, but he's been, for the Chargers, the most productive pass rusher per snap this season, even better than Bosa. I know that he hasn't played as much, but just putting that out there. And then even the next guy up, uh, Nowosu, is how I'm going to at least try to pronounce this, off The edge. He's a good run defender. He has 11 pressures himself, and he can really crash down off the edge. So when I'm looking at the line, the battles up front, everyone versus our tackles, or if we have to chip with the tight end as well, everyone over there is who I'm focusing on. Whereas the guys in the interior, I think that the Bears with Cody Whitehair and James Daniels, if they play up to the standard we know they can. They should be able to win those matchups, but the edges is what I'm really concerned about. Anything else, Nick, about uh, the battles up front for the Bears offensive line? Obviously, we need to see them improve across the board, not just in pass protection, but in run blocking as well. But anything else
1: about that unit you want to bring up this week? Yeah, I just want to see better, you know, with this offensive line, just better, being better at their assignments, really. There's a couple of plays just against the Saints where James Daniels and Cody Whitehair are combo blocking. James Daniels knocks off uh Cody Whitehair. He slips and falls. And the play's broken right then and there because James Daniels has to adjust, block somebody else's, frees up a defender. I think Tariq Cohen was a running back on the specific play, gains nothing really. So these guys up front, even when they do have the right play called, they, it's the execution. That's been like that all season, executing the right plays. So I just want to actually see that happen for once. On one just one play, everybody do their, do their actual job. See if you actually gain yards. Just gain positive yardage, especially on first down where the Bears have just been really bad, especially when they run the football. They just have not gotten enough on first down, and that just makes second down, third down that much harder to gain positive yards. Puts Mitch in a bad situation, but I just want to see that offensive line actually complete their assignments and just do their tasks that is being asked of them.
0: Yeah, no, they need to find a way to become in third and manageable. And I think establishing the run or at least running a little bit more than seven times, maybe double it to 14, maybe can add a few more, Uh, for S's and G's, but for me, that's a big key here. But moving forward, and we talked about every position group now in offense, I just want to kind of take a step back and look at the thing from a collective because I think you and I were well aware that everyone needs to step up in one way or another. So if we had to boil it down, I want to know what your biggest key for the offense to get, and I'm not going to say back on track uh, because I don't think they've ever been on the track this year. So find their way onto the track this week and why. I want you to stew on it, and I'll give you mine. I talked about the Chargers playing a lot of zone, and there should be a lot of plays underneath for Mitch to hit. If he's hitting those throws, I think one of the big keys is going to be those playmakers. They need to make that one-on-one play. Make a man miss and gain yards after the catch because that Chargers defense, due to their inexperience, they had five rookies last week play. Five. Over 160 snaps. That's over half of that defense. Well, not over half. Just about half of that defense being rookie. That should be... A way for Matt Nagy should find a way to, you know, game plan against that. Leverage that inexperience for the Bears and put it in their favor. So for me, these guys, these playmakers, now to Robinson, Taylor Gabriel with the ball. They need to make a man miss, make a play, get some yards after the catch. Because the Chargers defense, they allow a lot, of, a lot of big plays. The Bears offense hasn't found a way to get any. And I don't think they're going to be able to beat them over the top. So making people miss underneath and getting a lot of yards after the catch is a big one and obviously run the ball is an easy key. I don't think we need to really rehash it. Even if you don't get a lot of yards per carry, you can eat some clock, give that defense a much-needed rest, uh, things like that. So if I had to boil it down, one-on-one matchups, you have to win them if you have the ball in your hands because there's too many times where Bears' offensive players have not been able to do that, and you know they catch the ball, and they're immediately taken down. They need
1: to find a way to make people miss. What about you, Nick? I think it's just really simplifying things for Mitch and – with running the football, but also just utilizing play action. Like I was saying earlier, let him read half the field and throw on the run. Let him use his legs. Mitch was one of the best in the league at running. Uh, Once most, most effective was able to get first downs when he's running. And yes, I, I'm aware that he has that left shoulder injury. I know, but he did help this spares offense when he was able to be mobile. That's just something defenses had to worry about. He still has the speed. He knows how to slide. That should be a part of Mitch Trubisky's game. He's an athletic guy. Let him show that. Let him throw on the run. Well, he can't really throw from a base formation. I don't know how throwing on the run will do, but it seems like it has worked when they've done it at times. Maybe you have to go back to last year to see that. But I think that would be a good start to maybe fixing all the problems that is on this Bears offense. And also comes down executing. You need to execute all 11 guys on any given play. Because one guy can really screw everything up, and that's been happening a lot this season.
0: Uh, Looking at the red zone and third down, the Bears' offense in the red zone, 64%. uh, That's seventh best in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to say that's inflated. One, because they don't reach the red zone a lot. Two, uh, garbage time last week definitely helped bolster that stat. The Chargers on defense, though, they are 28th in the NFL. They allow opponents to score on two-thirds of their red zone trips. So if the Bears can find their way down inside the 20, uh, they should have some pretty good chances to put on some points. And at third down, uh, the Bears' offense only uh, converting on 32% of those, which is 26th in the NFL. Where the Chargers' defense, though, are allowing offenses to convert on 50% of third downs, 31st in the NFL. So again, if you can find a way to get into third and manageable against this defense, they've been shown... All season long, that they can be beat, and they can, you know, find themselves having a hard time getting off the field. So the Bears' offense has an opportunity to do that this week. Uh, before we get into the edges, Nick, do you have anything else on either the Chargers' defense or the Bears' offense? I know we've hit on a lot.
1: You know, Chargers are dealing with a lot of injuries, like you allude to. I have their injury report. Did not practice. Their starting safety, defensive tackle uh linebacker thomas davis d tackle justin jones i mean there's it goes on and on for the Chargers. It's like a good paragraph just of names that are under this injury list so maybe the bears can take advantage of some of those injuries that the uh charges are dealing with right now
0: and one last thing for me before we get into those in terms of the passing attack one way to beat a good, a good cover three is a lot of vertical routes and unfortunately those are routes that we haven't seen mitch hit And that's where I get a little worried about passing the ball downfield, which is why I'm putting more emphasis on some of the guys underneath to make some one-on-one wins. But moving on over to who has the edge, I'm going to kick things off with that Bears offensive line versus that Chargers pass rush, and I'm going to go Chargers. I don't think the Bears have shown that they can really generate, uh, obviously, uh, much against in terms of pass protection. But even if you want to, I know we talked about the run game specifically, but when I'm looking at that offensive line versus the Chargers defensive line, uh, I just feel like the Bears' offensive line doesn't match up well, uh, especially on the edges, so it, they haven't been able to take much pressure off of Mitch, and I don't think it takes a lot of pressure to affect Mitch, so you got to lean on the Chargers there. Over to you, Nick. I'm going to give you the Bears' ground game versus that Chargers' run defense.
1: I have to go with the Chargers' run defense until... Uh, I don't know if the Bears are going to run the football in on this one, Will. They ran it seven times last week. I Like I said, I do like the matchup of Montgomery, but everything should go to the chargers because the bears have been that bad again that's what it really comes down to
0: yeah well we have one more to go and we can make it official bears passing game versus the chargers
1: secondary uh this one's for both of us you're going chargers going chargers you have mitch Trubisky playing quarterback right now and unless matt nagy can do something with him i i can't really trust what mitch is doing I mean, I just look at
0: it, uh, you know, uh, four games in a row where the Chargers have an interception. Four quarterbacks against that defense have had less than 200 yards per game, and we can barely throw for that as it is. Bears have the second. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors?
1: Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client.
0: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Lowest yards per pass on the season. No one outside of Allen Robinson stepping up or is consistent. It's pretty easy when you put all the pieces down to see what the picture is and has a, a clean sweep there for the Chargers. Uh before we move on though to the defense I do want to know who your X factor is for this Bears offense. Who's going to be a player that can, you know, either take things over the top or, you know, bring the Bears down, well, I'm going to say down to earth, but they're already at earth. So I think we know it's lower than that which
1: is hell. So that's a <laughs> deal. Uh so I'll go I'll stick with my guy David Montgomery. I think if he can make like you said, yak we haven't seen a lot of that this season from any of the Bears you know, receivers, even Allen Robinson, uh, getting a lot of catches. But let's see what these guys can do in space, just making things easier for this overall offense if you can make a guy miss in, you know, in the open field. But I think David Montgomery, if he can do that, takes a lot of pressure off Mitch. He knows there's a security blanket out there in the flat or he can just hand the ball off. Again, you need to have a good offensive line. You need to have a lot of things working. And the Bears haven't shown that, but that would be my X Factor, David Montgomery.
0: I'm going with Trey Burton. Uh, my my notes I have underneath his name. Where the hell is he? Uh, we're getting no production from him. And honestly, the entire tight end position as a whole, because if the Bears can't establish their run and they can't get production out of the tight end, the defense's job is so easy. Focus on the wide receivers, which means focus on Allen Robinson. Uh, So Trey Burton, if he can find a way to even be a glimpse of the player that he was for us last season, I think that would be one way that the offense can open up and become less predictable. So that's going to be the reason why he's my X-Factor. And uh, my sub X-Factor is going to be Matt Nagy for the reason I've already mentioned. Uh, Five rookies on defense, that's nearly half the unit. Matt Nagy, being a wizard on offense, should find a way to leverage that experience. And I think if he can't, uh, that goes to show really where he's at right now as a play caller and as, as an offensive, you know, scheme creator, because there's no way that if you have five rookies on that field, Matt Nagy should not find a way, should be able to find a way to beat them. Uh, but I don't know if I have the confidence just right now to do it, but that's a big reason why uh, he's also going to be an X factor, which he is every week. He's a head coach. He's a play caller. But I'm looking at the inexperience and I just see it as a huge opportunity for the Bears to find a way to exploit. All right. Well, Nick, we're halfway through the show and I just noticed your
1: crab cellar bib in the background and it made me smile. Yeah. Put that up. Uh, I think as soon as you left, well, first I had to find a little hook, but yep. That was a great time. (laughs) Well, actually the feeling afterwards was awful. How many crabs? It was like, man,
0: a lot of king crab. Yeah. Like 15 or 16 king crab legs. That was a good time. That was, we'll go next training camp. We'll get back to it. But We're back to the show. It's time to kind of turn the tables. Look at that Bears defense, which, Nick, I think it's safe to say by now, I think they've had enough time to catch their breath after being on the field for the vast majority of last week's game. So I want to begin with the defensive line. Uh, They didn't have their best game last week. Uh, They started off in that first half, and I'd call it a fine effort. They didn't generate much pressure, but they did do a pretty good job against a run in the first half before they were worn down. But when I'm looking at this unit without Akeem Hicks, the unit, they've taken a massive dip in production, not just production, but also aggressiveness. They look a little slow. They look a little soft. Uh, Those are two S words that I don't think we've said about that defensive line in a long time. So what are some of the issues that you're seeing with the defensive line?
1: I think it's when you lose a guy like Akeem Hicks that really affects, again, the rotation of the guys that now have to come in. They're... These players like Nick Williams, Roy Robertson, Harris—they're backups for a reason. Yes, they've had spurts at times where they, you know, shown that they can maybe be more than that, but they are backups for a reason. So you see the drop off that Nakeem Hicks has, and he is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL, and that's why the Bears' defense is taking a step back when you're missing a guy like that. But you just see, like, going back to the Raiders game, going to the Saints game. When they, when some of these offensive linemen are getting their hands on these, on our, you know, defensive front, they're just driving them back. It's just, it's power football, and that's where the Bears just need to be a little bit more physical at the point of attack. So, I want to see if they come out to play against this Chargers offensive line that is dealing with, you know, some injuries. So, again, they should be able to take advantage of this. But when you lose a guy like Keem Hicks, I think it's just natural to expect a drop off wouldn't have expected it be that much over the past two weeks over the saints and the Raiders.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's been disappointing and it's putting a lot of doubts in our minds, a lot of the minds of bears fans as well. And I mean, sometimes you just have to call it how you see it. And I think you just did. there's been a lot of issues up there and we thought, and I mean, we can look back and we thought, and there's still time for them to change this narrative, but we b- really believe that they had the depth to overcome an Akeem Hicks, you know, injury and to overcome his absence. But The last two weeks have not proved to really be the case, and I know they have some favorable matchups in this week, uh, but that offensive line, that they do get Russell Kung back, their Pro Bowl left tackle, but across the board, they haven't been one of the better units in the NFL. Uh, They've been banged up. I think the Bears should be able to find a way to take advantage. Um, So looking at some of the matchups, one that stood out to me initially was their left guard, uh, Dan Feeney. He is from my alma mater, IU. I just wanted to throw that out there since Nicky, all the Iowa guys, all the time, and it's rare where I get a Hoosier in there. Uh, but looking at him, he has allowed three sacks and 20 pressures this year, and he does lead their offensive line with four penalties. So a guy like a Nick Williams or an Abdullah Anderson or Bilal Nichols with that club going up against the Dan Feeney are some of those favorable matchups I can see in terms of getting into that backfield, maybe getting some tackles for a loss, which we haven't got a lot of over the last two games. It's not just not getting pressure on quarterbacks, but also that – tackles for a loss, being stout at the line of scrimmage. Haven't seen that. Uh, Over to you. Do you have another matchup
1: you're circling? You know, this one's not specifically the defensive line because I want to see what Khalil Mack can do. He's been missing for the past two weeks, Will, and I know teams are double-teaming him, triple-teaming him, running the ball away from him, throwing the quick passes, but that's Khalil Mack. He should be more of a factor, and he hasn't been these past two weeks, and guess what? The Bears have lost. So I think that Khalil Mack, just, again, whatever side, and Chuck Pagano put him on either side. Leonard Floyd hasn't been much, uh, much of a help either. But against these tackles, and we'll see, obviously, Russell Okun may, you know, is possibly going to play this game. And I think that's where you need to look at. That's a matchup, regardless of who the tackle is, you should like Mack in this situation because he's that type of player. And you know what I don't like, Will? Like, the past two, or all three losses this season, Khalil Mack has not talked to the media at all. He's supposed to be a leader on this team, but yet whenever adversity strikes or something doesn't go his way, where is he at? Look, Cleo Mack, the Bears are lucky to have him, but that's a leader on the defensive side of the football. And if he's not owning up to the you know, the hard questioning that comes after a loss, that doesn't look good. I don't care what player you are. That doesn't look good.
0: No, it doesn't. You're right. That's a really good call there in terms of, you know, that's accountability. And if you're a leader, you need to have that public-facing leadership as well to, you know, talk up your teammates and things like that. I know they probably, well, they say they don't pay attention to the media, but I think we know all know they do. But, yeah, that's a big one. And, I mean, I agree with you to an extent that he needs to find a way to have his impact felt. But, God forbid, Nick, when there's three guy is focusing on him and King on him each and every down, that's a hard job for anyone to go through three. I and mean, we've seen him do it before, so I think we got a little uh, you know spoiled early on, but when no one else is up there getting pressures, winning those one on one matchups. And that's the big part about Khalil Mack that we loved, right? Not just will he be great, but he's gonna always have a double team. Which opened up a one on one for a Leonard Floyd. Anyone else up front for the defensive line as well, like a Nick Williams, like a Roy Robertson Harris, they need to step up too because if they're not, then the Bears can't take advantage. And like I said, there's a big reason why Cleo Mack hasn't really been going well, because if one of those guys can win a one on one matchup and do it a couple of times, they'll shift their focus a little bit away from Mac. And that little bit is all Cleo Mack needs to go out there and make his impact. But when no one else is doing deadly squat and that's putting it nicely. And everyone else is, you know, I don't want to say loafing, but at times it feels like it's soft and slow, like I mentioned. It makes Khalil Mack's job so much harder, and he can't do it all by himself. So I'm looking at Leonard Floyd, where you at. And, yeah, it's, it's really concerning all the way around. But when I'm looking at Khalil Mack specifically, I like the matchup against right tackle Sam Tevey. Uh He leads the team with four sacks allowed. He has 26 pressures allowed and three penalties. So he's a guy that you know, I've watched. He was giving up some pretty quick pressures to uh, Philip Rivers here uh, last week against the Titans. So I feel like there's a reason. There's no reason why Khalil Mack can't do the same. And honestly, even with a Russell Kuhnback who hasn't played all season, he should have some rust. And a guy like Leonard Floyd on the opposite side, or even if you flip-flop him, these should be two favorable matchups for the Bears. But Leonard Floyd, where are you at, son?
1: Step up. Anything else up front you want to talk about? Uh, not specifically up front. I think I'll just transition to the linebackers, though, Will, because I think right now, looking at what the Bears have and what the, the Chargers have, that Austin Eckler, who hasn't seen who, his play, has kind of diminished a little bit over the past couple of weeks since Melvin Gordon's being implemented more in the offense. That's the running back that I'm most scared of in this matchup, and especially for Roquan Smith. He has not been the same player over, for the past couple of weeks, ever since that incident happened. And I don't know if you saw the will, but they lined up Austin Eckler on the right side as a wide receiver going up one-on-one against one of the Tennessee Titans linebackers Complete runs a double move, just stop and go easy touchdown for Phillip rivers. So when I'm looking at some of these linebackers and the the running backs that the chargers have and how Roquan Smith is playing right now, that's a matchup that I'm kind of worried about. Austin Eckler is a guy that can make people miss in space. Very good with very good hands, very good receiver, They'll put him out wide. They'll have him and Melvin Gordon out on the field at the same time. Roquan Smith hasn't been playing well. That's a matchup that I'm really not looking forward to in this one unless, for some reason, Roquan Smith's play elevates. And Matt Nagy talked about it. He's like, he needs to play better. I think he was only on 70% of the defensive snaps last week against the Saints. So you're seeing that they're having to take him out at times. Not a good sign for Roquan Smith. I don't know what he's going through, but it's affecting his play on the field. Yeah,
0: good job there. You took my next talking point right out of my notes, uh, so I'm training you well. This is exciting news, <laughs> but yeah, no, he doesn't. He's not living up to the standard that we know he can play to. I mean, we've mentioned it. It doesn't. He's not playing up to his capability. He looks lost. He looks a little overwhelmed at times, and he's not racking up the tackles that we're used to seeing out of him. He's not in the right spot. He's not filling his gap correctly. He's not playing aggressively. There's a lot of weird things when it comes to what we've seen out of Roquan Smith ever since he had to miss a game for a personal reason. And I was going to ask you you what's up with them, but I think you already answered it for me, right? No one knows. And the only person that knows I think is Roquan himself. And he needs to dig deep and, you know, figure out if he wants to be out there because if not, I know Nick Wachowski isn't our number one answer out there, but he played well against Minnesota. Uh, He played with heart and effort. And sometimes that goes more than talent. So, I mean, yeah. Would you put Roquan on a short-ish leash? Yeah, they're a short-ish leash. That's hard you to know, say out loud fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's – you got to see how he's playing early on. It's whatever this is, and obviously we don't know. Only Roquan does. If it's affecting you know, the play on the field, and we've seen it over the past couple of weeks that it is, you put in Nick Krakowski, don't hesitate. He played well in you know, filling in for Roquan Smith against the Vikings, coming downhill, being aggressive, he stripped uh Kirk Cousins, which actually isn't very hard to do, uh, but he still played well, Nick Kwiatkowski. And yes, you, you lose that the pass coverage that Roquan Smith has, but you just need someone's going to go a hundred percent downhill, be aggressive, make secure tackles. Right now, Roquan Smith isn't doing that, so. We see early on in this game, especially against an Austin Eckler who will exploit a player who's not playing up to their capabilities, you make that move. You don't hesitate because that can cost you a game. That can cost you a first down, extend a drive, lead to points. And that's not what you want for this Bears defense who, have, you know, the past two weeks have not been as dominant as we've seen the past, you know, four weeks. Yeah, it's... I mean,
0: yeah, It's. I don't even know where to go with it because it's like we don't know what's the problem. And that's really what kind of, you know, eats away at me throughout the week. And between shows, I'm like sitting here thinking about the team and Roquan Smith struggles. I mean, these were supposed to be, you know, this is the last thing I ever anticipated happening this season. But sometimes what you least expect ends up being, you know, the case. And obviously he has a lot of talent. Uh, just got to figure out what is behind some of these uh, I'll call them miscues over the last couple of games. All right, let's go ahead and look at the Chargers on the ground, though, Nick. Uh, they have struggled over the last few weeks. Uh, it's a mixture of that uh, injured offensive line, Melvin Gordon working through some rust. Uh, Gordon himself, since his return, 81 yards in those three games, only 2.2 yards per carry. And the Chargers, uh, they've only been running the ball 27% of their plays over three weeks, uh, which is less than the Bears, to put that in perspective. Uh, But the Bears on the ground lately, uh, they've been torched. They've allowed 120 yards per game on the ground over their last three games, which is very atypical of this Bears defense. So, looking at what the Chargers can do with their limitations up front and Melvin Gordon playing with rust, is this the week where the run defense gets out of that funk?
1: I would hope so. I think it's the right matchup for the Bears defense to kind of right the ship and get things on the right track. Um, But again, if if the defense is out there too long and the Chargers actually commit to the run game, which they haven't done, like you said, they've ran the ball less than the Bears, which is very surprising, then you will see the the defense open up. It's just natural to happen, but I think this is a good matchup for the Bears without even Akeem Hicks because even the Chargers are missing some of their offensive linemen, not having the starters in there. So it should be a wash, but I'll take the Bears' defense in that that specific matchup, because they do have a bunch of playmakers on that side of the ball. And like you said, Melvin Gordon's still trying to get into things, and even just maybe trying to get into shape, honestly, because when you're out of football that long, having before, what, the first game he came back being January would have been the first time he played football. It's it's been a while, so I think the Bears will be all right. It's when you have Eckler and Gordon on the field at the same time, where the Bears just got to be... Sound in their assignments, not overshoot a gap because that will end up hurting you. And they mm-hmm. like to put Eckler in motion and get end rounds, get him the ball any way they can. Then they can come right back the other way with Gordon. So just got to be sound in your assignments. Know where you're supposed to be on every given play. And, you know, for every player to have their mind right. And it might just be that if Roquan Smith is not fully committed or fully understanding where he should be, that could really hurt a defense. But, yeah, I think the Bears have the right personnel have the right players in mind. and Pagano will have these guys uh, squared away to stop this Chargers running attack.
0: Yeah, when I was watching the Chargers film from last week, that offensive line had a hard time doing much of anything against Tennessee. And I think our defensive line is better than what Tennessee is able to provide. So I hope that the Bears can get out of the funk this week again. Uh, they had that players-only meeting. I do expect them to play with some urgency this week and some tenacity and showing some effort, not just the defensive line, but you know every positional group, every player on this team. But, yeah, hopefully this is that week. But I want to move over to the Chargers through the air because you mentioned one of the three guys that I have circled that the Bears should be focusing on. You talked about Eckler. Uh, then also we have Keenan Allen and tight end Hunter Henry. Uh, Eckler, you mentioned uh, he's been very involved, and even though he hasn't been running the ball a lot after Gordon's last, he's still been a very pivotal and important receiver for this team. Uh, he leads all running backs in the NFL. I don't know if you know that, but with 49 receptions, 488 receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns. Uh, so you talked about Roquan being that good. Supposed to be the chess piece, the opposite to match up against them. But I think a lot of Eckler is going to be that gang tackling because they do a lot of screens with him as well. So finding a way to blow up those screens, get through those blocks is going to be a big key. Uh, Keenan Allen, fourth among wide receivers and targets this year in the NFL is 70, Uh, but he's been held in check over the recent four game stretch. Uh, No touchdowns in his largest production has only been 68 yards over the last month so when you're looking at Keenan Allen Nick someone who's going to get some targets uh, what kind of a game do you envision him having or how do the Bears uh, make sure he doesn't beat him
1: you know I thought the Bears would double up on Michael Thomas last week they really didn't it was more so hey whoever whatever size he's on good luck so I think the Bears are going to do the same exact thing against Keenan Allen and like you said he hasn't been as productive the past couple weeks but he's a guy that doesn't need many opportunities to really change a game it just takes one explosive play from a Keenan Allen and he has a catch radius like no other where you got to be ready on any given play but I don't think the Bears are going to double up they didn't do it against Michael Thomas and it's going to be where wherever Keenan Allen's at you know whether it's Kyle Fuller on that side or on the other side of Prince Mukamura, it's going to be up to them to do their best for Prince Jamming him at the line of scrimmage to get that timing off from him and Phillip Rivers for Kyle Fuller. It's just breaking on routes if he's running an in or an out or if he's, you know, cutting to just on a curl because he plays a little bit further off. But yeah, I don't anticipate uh, much double coverage. The Bears didn't do that last week, and we'll see how that plays out for them. I know Michael Thomas had a pretty darn good game, and that was the one guy the Bears couldn't let have a good game because they were missing Kamara, missing Cook, but they did. So let's see what happens against Keenan Allen this week. All right, let's go to Hunter
0: Henry real quick. Uh, He returned from injury two weeks ago since. He's caught 14 of his 17 targets for 198 yards and two touchdowns. So a tight end that can be a difference maker. Uh, when you're looking at uh, Henry, a lot of his production comes right down in the middle of the field, right between the numbers, usually right behind the linebacker. So this is going to be a combination for me of you know what's Danny Trevathan doing, what's Eddie Jackson doing, haha, depending on the specific coverage on that play. So I'm looking at all three of them in this regard, but how do you feel the Bears match up to a Hunter Henry who is a very good tight end in the league that needs good tight ends?
1: Yeah, he is a very good tight end and the Bears have some pretty good players, but yeah, he's just – ever since he's come back and, you know, obviously dealing with injuries, but he can—he has a good catch radius. He knows how to get open. And if he's in space, he's not afraid to lower the shoulder as well. So that's a guy that Phillip Rivers trusts, especially if it's in uh, – there's a blitz coming at him. He's going to look for, you know, Hunter Henry or Keenan Allen, obviously. But, yeah, that's going to be a matchup all game long, regardless of how close this game is or what, what the score is, what the situation is. Expect Hunter Henry to make some catches. It's going to happen. He's that type of player to where you're not going to probably shut him out. He will have some impact plays, but the Bears can only do the best to contain it as best they can, not give up that yak, which we're hoping the Bears get. But yeah, he's a good player and it's going to be a matchup for whoever's lined up, whether it's Trevathan or one of the safeties.
0: All right, now we haven't really talked about Philip Rivers, actually, this whole conversation, and obviously he's been in the league for quite some time. He's having himself a modest season. He only has one game with less than 293 passing yards this season. One game with fewer than 293. I don't think we've gotten there yet. I know we haven't. Uh, but he's found ways to move the ball, uh, even though they haven't been able to win a lot of games. He's been finding ways to you know, sustain some drives here on this offense. Uh, what are some of the keys, Nick, to make sure he doesn't go off this week? Because you and I were talking right before we went live, right? Uh, that Phillip Rivers, what I'm noticing here is that when he's throwing that ball downfield, and he loves to push that ball downfield. So this bare secondary is going to be tested. Uh, when he misses... Those balls hang in the air for such a long time. So this is a game where I feel like the Bears could come away with some interceptions i believe he has six on the year rivers does so if the if he does you know get off his mark and have some inaccuracy with his throws and how he doesn't throw with the most velocity that should allow the bears defenders the secondary enough time to recover and make some plays in the ball so that's what i'm looking at initial pressure to get him off his mark hopefully lead to an inaccurate throw which is a good formula for any quarterback but looking at rivers and how he delivers
1: that's one of those areas that i'm focusing on how about you you know, I think it's really what this game is going to come down to is if the Bears can apply pressure. They haven't been able to do that the past two weeks. But from what I noticed, just watching Phillip Rivers this season, especially the past two games, you apply that pressure, he's going to make some bad decisions. You look last week against Tennessee Titans, pressure comes up the middle. And the granted, the Chargers are backed up a little on their side of the field, or I think they're around the 15, maybe even the 10, backs up. Phillip Rivers I've never seen somebody throw it into quadruple coverage, but he did that to Keenan Allen and he was lucky. The ball wasn't intercepted by the defender that undercut Allen. They had the safety over the top, literally three DBs followed Keenan Allen. Phil Rivers still threw it. He saw that this is the only option that he had, threw it out there. And then the week prior against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the pressure comes up the middle again. He throws a backwards pass that gets picked up by the Steelers linebacker, gets returned for, for a touchdown. It's like he's a veteran in this league, and obviously Phillip Rivers has an established career, but you apply pressure. It doesn't matter what quarterback it is. That's it, it causes bad decisions. The Bears can apply pressure. They'll get that out of Rivers. I like the Bears DBs to come up with that football. They've shown it in the past, so that's what I think is the key in this one. Get pressure on Phillip Rivers. Make him make that Boneheaded mistake. He's shown it the past two weeks, like you said. Well, he has six interceptions on the season. I think you can get that out of Rivers. You just have to apply pressure consistently.
0: Anything else, either on Chargers' offense, Bears' defense, that you want to bring
1: up, sir? Oh, sir. uh No, I think that's about it. I think we we highlighted how the Bears can exploit the Chargers on offense, and obviously we did that the other way around. But it's going to come down to whether the Bears can win. Stop these Chargers running backs, I think, and then Keenan Allen's a big one, and obviously Hunter Henry. They have they have a lot more weapons coming into this week than they did last week against the Saints. So it's just it's another tall task for this Bears defense, and if the Bears offense doesn't get them off the field, could be a long day as well.
0: All right, real quickly, red zone and third down. The Bears defense in a red zone, right in the middle of the pack, 16th in the NFL, allowing teams to score in 54% of those trips, which is a number that still surprises me to this day. The Chargers in offense, though, they are the eighth worst in the NFL, 47%. And don't forget, uh, five turnovers in the red zone for that offense as well. Uh, and also on the third down, the Bears defense is 35%, which is 10th. But the Chargers offense, and this is a key here, Uh, on the season, they're converting on 48% of their third downs, which is the third best in the NFL. And that's what comes with having a veteran quarterback that can diagnose and read defenses and have confidence and teams that can put themselves in third and manageable situations. But on top of my red zone third down, I do have one more fun, interesting tidbit. Uh, The Chargers, they average 2.3 turnovers per game over their last three, which is the fourth most in the NFL over that same time time span. So maybe this is a good week for that Bears defense to get some of those takeaways. Like I mentioned, they had none last week, but they had nine in the three games prior. So obviously it's a good time for the Bears to return to form. But over to
1: you, Nick, X-Factor for defense. Well, I think I'll go to the guy that was kind of bashing I'll, I'll, Roquan. I'll, you know, yeah, Roquan Smith. Let's see a bounce back game from him. Just being more, I just want to see him be more aggressive. That's really what it is. Just coming downhill because he's just been so hesitant the past couple weeks. Kind of just clear ahead, head, get in there. And if not, then the coaches need to know to take him out. But I think if he can play to full speed, that's Roquan Smith's strength. Playing at full speed, coming downhill. The Bears are a lot better on defense if that Roquan Smith is playing. So that's going to be my X Factor on the defensive side.
0: Cool. I have the same thing. Uh, we're talking about Eckler. I mean, it's the same exact thing. Same reasoning I had. Uh, Roquan Smith's uh, range is something that we need in this game because Eckler is going to be all over the field and he's a very slippery type of back. Uh, and on top of that, my X factor for the defense as a whole will be open field tackling. Uh, That was something that we saw last week against the saints wasn't great. And when they were making the tackles, they were allowing those ball carriers to drive the defense backwards. So the offense was gaining additional yards. The bears defense needs to be a brick wall. And when they're making contact with a ball carrier, that's it. You're not going anywhere else too, too easy on those tackles last week. They need to get a little bit more aggressive uh, at the, you know, the point of attack, literally uh, when they're getting into the ball carrier. Uh, but Before we dive into our weekly predictions, Nick, uh, taking a couple of moments to look at the third phase, I did notice that the Chargers are seventh in returning punts. They're 13th in the NFL returning kickoffs, so pretty average. Uh, the Bears are number one in both categories. If you want a fun fact, thank you, Cordero Patterson. Thank you, Tariq Cohen. Uh, And lastly, when you're looking at the Bears' kickoff coverage, something that we talked about all offseason needs to be cleaned up. Well, they're sitting 30th in the NFL, so it doesn't look like that has been changed whatsoever. Uh, Do you have anything on the third phase
1: that you want to mention? I think Cordell Patterson is definitely a guy that people don't want to kick to. And I don't know if we're going to see a lot more returns from him, which is unfortunate because there are times, I'm not going to lie, during the season like, why are you doing this? Why are you taking the ball out of the end zone? But – He's shown what he can do, and it only takes one. See, it's one of those big impact plays that almost shifted momentum in that Saints game. Hopefully he does get some opportunities to, you know, return it. Um, but, yeah, that's really all it is that you – look, we talked about Chris Tabor in this this special teams unit. They haven't gotten much better. That's going to be a decision come the end of the season. You know, I'm getting ahead of myself where the Bears to have to really reevaluate what they want to do there for a coaching uh, standard because it just has not been right for the past couple years. All right, let's enter the final segment of our show and let's begin
0: with our bold predictions. And I'm just going to roll right into mine. Uh, my bold prediction the Bears defense will have three turnovers on the day and one defensive touchdown. So that's going
1: to be my bold prediction heading into the week. How about you, Nick? You know, I was trying to find what was the most missed tackles in one game. And I haven't really found that, but I'm going to say David Montgomery, I'm not going to say that he breaks it because I don't know what the number is, but I'm going to say he forces seven missed tackles in this game and is really going to put up the yak against these chargers defenders. Okay. So he's going to be doing it as a receiver, not a runner. I'll uh, just forcing seven missed tackles. Okay. I'm For- just making sure yeah. you talk
0: about yak. Yeah. So I was like, Hmm. Oh wait, or is sure. it to catch or contact or both?
1: Ooh, I will leave it open to discussion. <laughs> oh, and we'll see what happens. Whatever happens.
0: Like. So then you're right. I, I, yep, see what, exactly. I see what you're doing. All right. So who's going to be your MVB prediction?
1: Hmm, MVB, I'm going to say, is actually Kyle Fuller in this game. When you have a guy like Keenan Allen and you also have a Hunter Henry who will sp- split out wide, you need a guy that can break on the ball to limit Yak, to be able to, you know, disrupt the pass. We haven't seen much of that happen amongst any of the DBs, really, which is really strange. There hasn't been a lot of PBUs by any of these DBs so far. So if when it all comes down to it, the two biggest weapons for the Chargers, arguably— are Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry you could stop those guys from making a huge impact and we know what kind of corner Kyle Fuller is I thought at times last week he maybe got I think Michael Thomas got a little bit in his head they were kind of jawing at each other I want to see him be the cornerback that we know he is and I think he's going to have a big game come Sunday so MVB Kyle Fuller good stuff there I'm
0: going defense as well and last week i pretty much hit it on the head with Alan Robinson, how I kind of broke down what I thought would happen. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go with Danny Trevathan. Uh, at the end of the game, he'll lead the team in tackles. He'll have an interception and a forced fumble. He'll th- I'll throw in two tackles for a loss. And uh, on top of all that, if giving all that, he's going to ignite the defense and provide that much-needed spark that's been missing from that unit over the last two games. So for me... I'm going to go with uh, Grindin' 59 Danny Trevathan for my...
1: What does it mean to be locally owned and operated?
0: For Senex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped Little Leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Senex with a full tank, full of snacks or full of smiles or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Senex powered locally. The B prediction, uh, which ends into or leads into our game prediction for final score. I'm gonna jump in. I have the Bears winning because they need to win this game by three points. The final score is 20 to 17. And bear in mind, like I said, the Bears defense anticipate getting one of those touchdowns, so the offense there is only scoring
1: uh, not all of the 20, uh, 13. How about you, Nick? I also. Have the Bears winning this one? It's look as a team, the Chargers. It's hard to lose four straight, so this is going to be a close matchup. It really is. These are two desperate teams coming in to this game that really need a win to maybe still have some hope in this season. But I think the Bears get things right. I actually have it twenty to sixteen. Wow. So yeah, so uh, I think the Bears will obviously give up a touchdown, but the rest of the way just field goals, and the Bears will. Somehow, some way, find a way to get that offense just in the end zone. When they get there in the red zone, they're good. They just got to get there. They just haven't had a lot of opportunities. But 20-16 to Bears, 4-3, and your outlook looks a little bit more positive because they definitely need a win, Will. They don't have one here. This is a daunting schedule with, you know, you have at Philadelphia, Detroit, the Rams, it's not looking good. They need to win this week to keep things on track.
0: All right, which leads into our confidence meter and our final thoughts. For me, I'm at a 6.2 in my overall confidence. Like we said, this is a must-win game for both teams. Uh, but the Bears, they just had that players-only meeting, and if they are wanting to right the ship and have the type of season that we all expected them to have, uh, this is a game to do it. You know, They want to be a great team, and even though they haven't even looked like a good team over the last couple of games, this is a beatable opponent. So if we look at this game, they drop this one. The season starts to look real bleak real fast. They got to win. They got to win. They got to win. It's not going to be pretty. I don't think any Bears game has been pretty this season. Uh, it's going to be a very close one throughout. I think the offense is going to still make us want to pull out our hair, but I don't think they're going to lose the game. And, again, to me it's a week where I see the defense – taking over. So for me, I'm at a six point two at the confidence level, but that's kind of my final thought for this game.
1: Let's go over to Nick. Where are you at? You know what? I just doing the homework and just seeing what where the Bears are at, where the Chargers are at. I'll go seven. I'm feeling like the Bears get this victory. It's not a, look, that's not a very confident number to be at, but I feel like they will win it. I should have put it up a little bit, but it is the Bears and they haven't been playing well. So there isn't really that that indication that I should make that number any higher than what I did so i'll give it a 7 the bears get back on track this week the talk of this team being you know just awful kind of simmers down a little bit they get on track they get a win it really solves a lot of problems when you win a football game
0: it does it really does so i think in over the last 3 games you went from a 10 down like sub 3 and now you're up to a 7 what a roller coaster
1: yeah, yeah. So, oh, I mean, that's the Bears for you. That's a exactly. roller coaster of emotions. So I wish it wasn't like that. But we've been Bears fans way too long to know that that's what we should expect every single week. Can't argue against that. But that's going to do it for this episode. I hope that
0: you enjoyed our game preview. I want to thank you all for tuning, tuning in. Uh, make sure to rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget... Uh, to check out our revitalized and relaunched audio mailbag episode that will immediately follow this one. And then we'll go ahead and wrap up the game week with Will Ingles' five matchups to watch. But the next time that Nick and I kind of get back together and reconvene, will be on Sunday afternoon as soon as that game wraps up. Hopefully we're talking about a Bears victory. I really think we all want that to be the case. But until next time, have a great weekend. And, of course, Bear Down Chicago. (laughs)